Welcome to Watermark's Church Leadership Podcast, a conversation with church leaders for church leaders. I'm your host, John McGee. Thanks so much for joining us today. Well, hey friends, we have got a really helpful episode for you today. Blake Holmes, who is our lead pastor here at Watermark, gave a talk at CLC called Should I? And it was four points. He has given a talk that's much longer, uh, that was 10 points over two Sundays. And we'll link that up in the show notes. It's actually one of the most downloaded messages that's ever happened at at Watermark because it's just proven to be so helpful. So I think you're going to be really encouraged to hear this. It'll give you a really great model to make decisions, some good frameworks. The broader 10 can be found in those messages. We'll also link up a PDF that we made that really will help you make decisions. You can kind of serve you as a journal or a guide next time you're trying to make a decision. So uh, as a leader, one of your key roles is to make uh, good and wise decisions because your decisions impact so many. And so you get better at making decisions by making them, by learning from them, by asking others how they make decisions, and then always, always asking what does God's word have to say about the decision that you're making. And so Blake does a really good job of modeling that for you. And then I think also some of the most helpful content is just the things he shares in between points as he's talking about his own leadership journey and some of the things he has to decide or some of the ways he's got to lead himself. I think that actually is some of the best content in this talk. And I hope you'll be encouraged by that as well. So again, the audio from the two-part sermon series will be linked below as well as that PDF uh, that you can use next time you're trying to make a decision. So without further ado, please listen to this talk from our lead pastor, Blake Holmes. Well, good morning, friends. My name is Blake Holmes, and on behalf of the elders, I want to personally welcome each of you to the CLC 2023. It is great to have you here. And uh, we have a great day in store for you. So much has been planned, and as John has shared, we have prayed for you. And uh, my hope and my prayer is you may have come in to this conference and hoping maybe to sharpen your ministry strategy or come out, come away with a, a new idea, but, and, I, and I hope you get all those things. I hope you receive what you're looking for, but even more so, uh, just personally for you. I, I hope that these few days give you a chance just to be receptive to what the Lord has for you and that he stirs your affections uh, for him. I hope that You guys deepen in relationship together as teams. We get away as a leadership team twice every year. And a lot of times, you know, the question is, hey, what's the goal? And the goal, I always tell them, the goal is, hey, we we walk away more in love with each other. Right? And uh, and so I, I hope you walk away just having a greater sense of unity amongst your team, a love for each other, and make memories together. And laugh and enjoy some good food. And, uh, and be reminded of, of how much fun it can be to, to serve the Lord with one another. And then also just that um, your vision for the local church is expanded. And so that's my prayer for you. And um, I'm so glad you're here. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump into our next talk. Father in heaven, uh, thank you for each one who would uh, purpose to leave home, to gather with friends, to come all the way to Dallas, Texas, and, um, and Lord, to, to ask questions, to learn, to um, worship you. And I pray, Lord, that you would make the most of um, today. Help us, Lord, to be receptive to your will, open to what you want to teach us, receptive, Father, to um, everything you want to show us. Lord, every good gift comes from your hand above. And so we give you thanks. 
for the friendship, the laughter, the memories, um, the praise that's on our lips, and your grace in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago, I came across a, a little booklet that was designed to help you make wise choices, healthy choices in the food that you eat. Maybe some of you have seen this. Anybody seen this little book? I love this book because it warns you, it helps you see, hey, there's hidden calories that you don't see. And so it's really simple. It's like, hey, when you're at this restaurant, eat this, not that. And so the book's filled with all these various restaurants and what's on the menu, for, for example, at the Cheesecake Factory, you can pull that up and you go there and you're trying to figure out what to eat. You're trying to be a healthy eater, perhaps, and you're conscious of what you're eating. And so there's the Cheesecake Factory burger, right? And then there's the grilled chicken and avocado club. And so you're like, I will take the grilled chicken avocado club, please, because you want to be healthy, Kind of look down at your friend, like, are oh, you going to eat all that burger right there? And what you don't know, according to eat this, not that, is the better choice would have been the factory burger. Less calories in the factory burger than the grilled chicken and avocado club sandwich. Or what about California Pizza Kitchen? Anybody a California Pizza Kitchen fan? You decide to go there. Your friend looks down on you because you chose the barbecue chicken pizza. And they ordered the barbecue chicken pizza salad. <laughs> Guess what? You chose correctly. Less calories in the pizza than in the salad. Or what about Arby's? Any Arby's fans out there? Well, if you go to Arby's and you get the beef and cheddar, you may think, you know, I'm going to splurge. I'm going to get the beef and cheddar. You actually chose well. Because had you ordered the market fresh roast turkey with bacon, you'd be consuming more calories. And, uh, you know, you look through this little guide, and I love the simplicity. There's a picture, and it's like, here's the calorie count. Eat this, not that. And I think, man, if only leadership were that simple. If we had a guide, you come across the decision, what should I do? Should I do this or should I do that? And some of you I know, you're going, hey, Blake, we have our Bible. And I get that. For all those people, this isn't a Jesus juke. I get that. God has given us his word and he's given us clear instruction. That is certainly true. I'm not talking about his moral will. His moral will is so clear. We know that we're not to lie, steal, cheat, commit adultery, murder, deceive. We know that. God's will is so clear for us. But his permissive will, his will regarding the wisdom decisions we have to make day in and day out as leaders in the church, well, he gives us a freedom. A freedom to choose in kind of the gray areas where his will is more like a circle, if you will, than a dot. Or your friend might choose differently than you, and that's okay, but you have different preferences or different um, opinions. 
What about just the wisdom issues? The should I questions of life. Should I begin a new ministry? Should I increase the budget? Should I decrease the budget? Should I teach this new class? Should I start this Bible study? Should I engage in this conversation? Should I make another commitment to my schedule? Should I make this higher? The should I questions in life go on and on and on. But the reality is the stakes can often be high, even in the should I wisdom questions. And the reason is, is because our decisions impact other people. They don't just impact us, but they impact other people. Our decisions have consequences. They impact other people. They set strategy and direction in a church. They impact the health and the culture of our staff and our church. And so the should I questions of life are important questions. And what I want to do today is I want to give you a grid, a framework for how to answer the should I questions that you come across in everyday ministry life. Every one of you are leaders here. This is the Church Leaders Conference. I'm not talking about leadership by title or position. I'm talking about influence. You have influence. So put away any kind of mindset that you might have, oh, well, I'm not the senior leader, or I'm not an elder, or I'm not this. No, you all have influence, and you're making decisions every day. And what you are serving, so to speak, what you are eating, what you are consuming, the choices you're making, not only may get you sick or allow you to be healthy, but what you're serving could, could make others sick. And so we want to think about, hey, how can I make wise choices. Let's reflect on a biblical framework. And what I want to do is, is I want to give you four questions you should ask yourself based upon the book of Proverbs. I love the book of Proverbs, 31 chapters, take a chapter a day and read that. And I feel like I could just hear Solomon speaking to his son. I mean, Proverbs, as you know, was written by the man whom God said is the wisest man to ever live. Now that's an author I want to read. He didn't always practice the wisdom he preached, we know. But he's the wisest man to ever live. And he wrote a book. And he wrote it to his kids. And you hear the earnestness. If you just open it up, Proverbs 1, he says, Son, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. Receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity. Give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and is saying the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. And forsake not your mother's teaching. I mean, I'm a dad of four kids. I've got two in college and two in high school. And I just, I, I picture myself just pleading with my kids. Like, hey, you got to understand life is about choices. And your choices are going to have consequences. Be wise. Be wise. I'm not going to go with you to school. 
Look to God's word. Read his Proverbs. Surround yourself with godly people. Make wise choice. Please. Please. And I want to give them a biblical framework for how they can answer the should I questions of life. And for you as well. Not only how we make decisions, but how we might counsel others. So the first question is this. You ready? Number one. What biblical principles should inform my decision? What biblical principles should inform my decision? Proverbs 2.6, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, a verse you've all memorized. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And, and do not what? And do not lean on your own understanding. Don't just trust in yourself. In all your ways, in all of them. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, you may say, boy, I mean, are you kidding me? You want me to write this down? Your first question for us is, what biblical principles should inform my decision? I know that. I didn't get on a plane to come all the way over here to ask that question. But slow down. Let me ask you something. Stop and just think, how many, how many times, perhaps, have you made leadership decisions based on gut feel or pride, pride of position or ego, pragmatism because it works, or cultural pressures or politi political expediency? There's... There are so many voices and influences that are loud in a leader's life. And I'm not trying to be Captain Obvious, but I am trying to, to say once again to God's people, hey, listen, it's not good when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. It does not go well. And the book of Judges shows us that. Time and time and time again. Seven times we see a cycle over and over. And what is the theme? They rejected God's word. They weren't asking themselves, well, what does God's word have to say? They weren't trusting in him with all their heart, soul, and mind. They, weren't, they were leaning on their own understanding. And thank God for a, a Joshua who would later come along. And we need more Joshuas who would draw the line in the sand and go, hey, as for me and my house, I'm serving the Lord. You do what you choose to do. And I just want to say to the church again, hey, as you're making decisions, first ask yourself, hey, as I make these decisions, what biblical principles are informing this decision? What does the Bible have to say about this decision? And so it's really not as obvious as maybe it first seems. Al Mohler, in his book on leadership, he says this, you can divide all leaders into those who merely hold an office or position and those who hold great convictions. Life is too short to give much attention to leaders who stand for little or nothing. Leaders who are looking for the next program or writing the latest leadership fad, trying on idea after idea, but driven by no deep conviction. And so if, friends, you believe that the Bible is the very word of God, 
I do. Before you make that decision, just ask yourself, hey, what biblical principles are informing this decision? In our elder time, um, we work really hard, really hard to have our Bibles open. And before we give an answer, we'll, we will say, hey, listen, um, as, as best I could tell, I think this passage is most relevant to the subject we're talking about. And, um, and we just continue to, to push each other. Hey, that, that's, that's helpful. It's witty. It's, it, it may seem right. But, but what's informing that decision, Blake? And it's a good check for me. It's a good check for me just to slow down and go, well, you know what? I, honestly, I haven't really thought about that. Um, maybe pragmatism is driving my decision right now. It just seems like it might work. But, but let me give us some more prayer and, and let me come back to you and search God's word. And sometimes you may just go, hey, who can help us better understand what God's word has to say specifically to this topic? We, um, as elders, recently we wrote a position paper um, on IVF, in vitro fertilization. We have folks in our body who are struggling with infertility and we felt like, hey, you know what, we, we, need to, we need to write something that we feel like honors God and is true to his word. And last time I checked, I can't go explicitly what scripture says about IVF. But I can draw from God's word principles that inform how we respond when we're asked really good questions. And friends, leaders force clarity. That is your job. You, you've got to address the questions people are asking in your body. Not run from them, but address them. And then what will happen if in your church, everyone recognized, hey, you know what? Those who are leading here, they're constantly going back to God's word. That will change your church. In my home, um, at our dinner table, my wife, my four kids, there's no subject that's off limits. We talk about all of it. My youngest girl, um, she's in high school. She's a freshman in high school. And just a couple weeks ago, she was like, Dad, if people knew what we talked about at this dinner table, what would they say? And I looked at it and go, Wesley, I think it's great. I want us to, I want us to talk about the things you're learning at school. I want you to, to wrestle with me what scripture has to say about sex and gender and politics, what's on TV, what's posted online. Everyone is a theologian. Everyone is a theologian. The question is, are they a biblical good theologian? But you're making biblical, you're making theological decisions all the time. Even if you deny God, that's a theological position. And so Wesley, I just want you to be a biblical theologian. I want you to understand that God's word is your God. You can trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. He'll make your path straight. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. One of the greatest compliments I received, we was speaking, we had an elders meeting, and there was a friend of ours who was in from out of town just helping us, trying to make decisions and, and give counsel and guidance to us. And when we walked away, I said, hey, man, any, any thoughts, feedback? observations you made that might be helpful as a, 
as a, le- as a leader here. And, and he goes, you know, Blake, um, you know what I noticed? I noticed that every one of your elders, they brought their Bibles to that meeting. And I, I, I thought, what? Okay. And he goes, you know what? I don't see that happen very often. I just don't see it happen very often. But every one of you guys, you all had your Bibles. Not your phone, you all had your Bibles. And, uh, and I thought, you know, um, I'm really honored and uh, humbled that you would notice that. And I hope that's always true. It's not always that we make biblical decisions. I'm not saying that. But I want to be a, a, in a place where others would go, hey, you know what? You guys are you're doing your best to make decisions that are informed by Scripture. Not cultural pressures, not political expediency, not ego, not position, but what Scripture says. And so my challenge to you is, number one, ask yourself, what biblical principles are informing this decision? Number two, the question to ask is, do I have all the facts? Before you make a decision, ask yourself, do I have all the facts? In other words, have you done your homework? Proverbs 18, 13 says, he who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18, 17, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. In other words, there's two sides to every story. But we get ourselves into trouble whenever we respond without all the facts. Again, this seems so obvious, but time and time again, I get myself in trouble because I just haven't done my homework. We fail to read the fine print, if you will. And we make decisions maybe on impulse or emotion or gut feel. Have you ever worked with folks who are long on passion, long on vision? They're the ready, fire, aim folks. Anybody? How many of you all just want to admit, that's me. Anybody? All the visionaries out there, God bless you, I love you. Never had an idea, right? Or heard an idea that you didn't love? Right, I love that passion, I love that impulse. There's guys on our team, they're ideators. They come up with 20 great ideas. And truly, I'm like, man, they've got vision just oozing out of them. They they lead kind of on the balls of their heels are like this all the time. And each time they speak, I'm like, that's a good idea, we should do it. And then the next guy comes in, he goes, man, I just, I mean, we're gonna save the world. You know, they're doing this. And I'm like, that's a good idea, let's do it. And I've just learned, hey, you know what? If you're long on passion, long on vision, and you haven't done the homework and you haven't gotten the facts, you're gonna end up straining your resources, frustrating people, and it's not gonna go well for you. And so we, we often, we, we jump before we've really thought things through. I, um, I was recently in a, in a meeting with um, this one, it was a handful of us, this kind of small group of folks, but this one woman who was, she was just in a hard spot. And she was talking about her marriage and candidly my heart just broke for and where she was personally, where their marriage was, she was crying. And, um, and I, thought about, I thought about this passage 
many times while she was speaking, the first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. And I just kept going, I haven't met with the husband yet. But everything she said, I was like, man, she, I think this, I think she's really right. You know what? The first to plead his case. The first to plead his case. And, um, and, and it turns out that later I, I met with him before I met with both of them, and they were in a hard spot. But I was so glad that I just didn't jump to conclusions without gathering all the facts. And it's so easy to do, right? The emotion, the, the kind of gut response when you hear something, but you haven't done all your homework it can cause us to to make poor choices. So what we want to do when making a decision or counseling others is ask, hey, do I have all the facts? We want to ask a lot of questions. And remember that there's two sides to every story. Candidly, you need a John Cox in every meeting. Now, who's John Cox? John Cox is our executive pastor here. And I love John and I put him almost in every meeting I go to because you know what John has told me repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly? Real simple. He went to Stanford and he went to Harvard. And here are the two things that John says over and over again. You ready? Stanford, Harvard education. Blake, facts are our friends. Thank you, John. Facts are our friends. And then the second thing he says is, Blake, every idea in isolation is a good idea. Thank you, John. Because I will hear what someone has to say, and I'm in that idea in isolation. I'm like, that's what we should do. No, no, no. In isolation, it's a good idea, but we got to go get the facts and see the repercussions. If we make that decision, how it's going to impact people, the budget, facilities, everything else. There's a domino. So let's let's do the long math and get our facts. I um. I took my family uh, several years back. We, we went on this trip, and I, I was trying really hard to save some money, go somewhere close by. And I got on websites, you know, and I thought I did my homework. But really, what ended up happening, I was kind of more drawn by the glossy pictures that the hotel published. Okay? And so we pack up, we leave, and we go down there. It's this little condo medi- condominium. And um, when we, we're all excited. My kids are young at this time. We're, they're all running around upstairs, downstairs. We're, we're really excited. It's vacation. And so my wife and I go, the first thing you got to do when you get, you know, four kids somewhere is you got to feed them. So we go to the kitchen and um, we open up the cabinets and pull out the dishes and kind of feel something on the plates, you know? I'm like, that, that feels... Um, Feels sticky to me a little bit. You know, that's all right, it's all right. So, you know, wash that off. And my wife's like, something on that glass, you know. So like, kind of feels dirty. All right, well, let's just, let's run the dishes. And, uh, and then uh, I called the kids down. They come down and they all sit on the couch. And when they sat down on the couch like this, they're so short, their feet like this. And they're all looking at me doing this. What are we going to do, Dad? And what they don't know is their feet staring at me completely black with dirt, completely black, just dirt running around barefoot in the condominium. And I'm like, this place is filthy. And the reality is what happened is I didn't do all my homework. I was looking at the pictures from the hotel that they were producing. And then I learned about TripAdvisor. 
And TripAdvisor gives you the pictures of people who actually stay there. So you can bet I was taking my phone and taking all the pictures. Don't come here! So what we want to do is we want to get all the facts. Number three, question you want to ask yourself is, is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? Is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? Proverbs 19.2, also it is not good for a person to be without knowledge. And he who makes haste with his feet errors. He who makes haste with his feet errors. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. Advertisers are notorious for pressuring you to respond quickly, are they not? Have you ever walked into a store in North Park and you hear the, it's just the beat of the music, the, the drum, the drive, buy, buy, hurry, go, right? Just turn on the TV, act now. Once in a lifetime, for a limited time only. And they do that because it works. You have the fear of missing out. And so you're, you're, the pressure of time is forcing you, oh, well, someone else will get it, or I'm going to lose out on this, or I better, I better respond right now. I remember um, I, w- I went to, to join a gym, and I sat down, and I was talking to the guy who was trying to sell us this gym membership, and I was a little hesitant. I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't think this is the right place. I don't know. I just get more information. So I'm about to sit up. And he goes, hey, hey, you get out of that chair. I will never be able to offer this to you again. <laughs> Truly. And I, at that moment, I had taught this message before. And I was like, is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? Yes. And I want out of this place. Right? But yet the reality is you may not have a gym manager going, hey, if you get out of that chair. But, you know, we, we do allow the pressure of time to push us into making decisions that are not well thought through. So when you're making a decision or counseling others, beware of the once-in-a-lifetime deal. Don't let the fear of missing out drive you into a decision you're later going to regret. Know what time it is. Is it the time to listen, to learn, to collaborate? to act, but don't jump, don't jump. Recently on our team, um, I've had to remind myself of this as we've thought about adding elders. Our prayer for here for over a year has been that we'd we'd have a team of six to eight people. There's nothing magical about that, but we're adding our six this Sunday. You met Rob yesterday. And candidly, I mean, I I was just like, you know, I want to add to our team. And there's so many great people that, so many great conversations we're entering into, but I don't want to be hasty and make a decision that's not wise. It's going to have huge consequences. We've wrestled with a, a lease of a campsite for a retreat uh, place our body could go to. Um, and it was like, hey, we, we need to make a decision. We've got to make it soon. I, it's like trying to get people in the room. Hey, we've got to make an informed decision, not just make one impulsively or in haste. The... Final question you should ask yourself is, what possible motives are driving my decision? What possible motives are driving my decision? Proverbs 16.2 says this, all the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Proverbs 20 verse 9, who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin. 
Answer, no one. Our motives reveal the true condition of our heart. And if we're honest, right, sometimes the, the need to be accepted causes us to soften the truth. We want to be light. And so maybe we don't engage in a conversation that we need to engage in. We pull our punch. And really the motivation is selfish. We don't want that person to think less of us. And that's not good leadership. The desire to escape, right, to, to um, run from stress leads to unhealthy habits and coping mechanisms. Not healthy. Desire for significance drives us to work longer hours than is healthy for our family or for our heart or our relationship with the Lord. Those are, those are motives that we, we've just got to be honest with ourselves. And it can look good on the outside to others. Man, you're at the church all night. Man, you're, you're constantly studying. You're constantly meeting with people. But what's underneath that is not healthy. What's driving that is not sustainable. It's not what the Lord would have for you. Jesus constantly spoke to the motives of the heart, did he not? And he saved his most stern words for religious leaders and the Pharisees. And he just kept looking at them and was like, hey, it's the inside. It's the inside of the cup, not the outside. Pay attention to the inside. What's going on in your heart, leader? Religious pride, the need to be seen, accepted, or esteemed, that is going to lead to disastrous consequences. We need more leaders who are not driven by the likes and the needs to be accepted and the applause of men, but more leaders like John the Baptist, right? Hey, I must decrease so that he can increase. And, you know, I don't want to make a big deal of this, and I'm truly, it's not a judgment, I'm not being critical. Um, it's nothing super spiritual. I get it. People give me a hard time. John gave me a hard time yesterday about not being on Instagram or whatever. Um, and candidly, I just, uh, I'm grateful for the, for the folks, and I have great friends who use that really well, and they steward it really well. But I think I want to say to the young leaders in here, you don't need Instagram to have a healthy, thriving, growing ministry. You just don't. You don't need a platform, right, in order to be useful and faithful to the Lord. And I'm, I watch young guys, and I think they get on that treadmill, if you will, and start running. And I'm like, hey, man, you, what's driving that doesn't seem to be all that healthy. And candidly, what you're posting right now on social media, that doesn't seem to be informed by Scripture. But you sure seem to be attentive to the likes and the retweets and the comments that are on there. And, and it's a stewardship deal. There's, again, it's not a judgment. I'm grateful for the people who handle that really well. But I do just want to say, hey, there's a motive that's behind that oftentimes. That I just go, is that what the Lord would have us do? I mean, really? And is that the place to have that conversation? And so we just have to ask ourselves, hey, what are the motives that are possibly driving my decision? Acknowledging our blind spots. 
and giving other people permission to speak into our life. Just to go, hey, man, I'm, I'm not sure that's healthy. I'm not sure that's God's best for you. Two years ago, I um, started in this position. And, um, and I, it's, it's, I've been on staff here for over 20 years. And I, I really have loved this church. And I've received more from this church than I have given, for sure. And been so blessed. But when I started in this new role, I've worn a lot of hats, but when I started in this new role, it was like day one, all of a sudden, I recognized all of my insecurities just shoom, just came right to the top. Right to the top. Previously, I knew my role. I had my position. I, I loved what I did. I, I felt like I was good at what I did. But now, all of a sudden, it's like this upfront center, vroom, and all the responsibilities fall on you. And there was this pressure I felt, pressure I felt that people wanted me to be this great preacher, to be prophetic and have you know, strong convictions in certain rooms, or to be pastoral and be right at the bedside, or to be a great administrator and, and understand the budget. Or to be a great scholar and know everything that God's word to say. Or understand politics and speak into it. Or be on social media and have a greater presence. And all of a sudden there's just expectation piled up on expectation. And you've got to be all these things. And I just quickly, quickly realized, I was like, hey, if I'm not careful in this new role, I'm going to allow really unhealthy motives to drive way too many decisions. And I, I just narrowed down on, hey, what is my job description? And I went to the elders, I go, hey, here, here's, here's the role I think the Lord would have me play. I'm gonna serve the elders. I'm gonna empower our, our leadership team. We've got a gifted leadership team and I'm gonna empower them, encourage them. I'm gonna encourage our staff. I'm gonna shepherd this body and I'm going to invite our community to know Jesus. And I'm just going to keep doing those things. And so I just want to say to you, if in your role as a, as a leader, you feel like everybody's putting pressure on you to perform or to be something that you're not, I mean, be careful. Be careful. Just surrender that to the Lord. If God's not asking you to be all of these things are to perform in a way in which you'll receive the applause of men. The goal is to be faithful. Walk in obedience. Love Jesus. Right? And surrender those other things. Otherwise, you'll find yourself in a really bad spot. So there's four questions you should ask yourself. A framework for making wise decisions as you reflect on your leadership. This has been just a really short talk from what was a, a few week series that I gave um, a while back at our church. And there's uh, six more questions that um, I just shared from the book of Proverbs on how do we make wise choices. And so when you leave, uh, what we want to do is we want to give you a, a guide, if you will, called Should I? And it will walk you through the 10 questions based on Proverbs that we should all ask ourselves whenever we um, are making the should I questions 
in, uh, in ministry decisions. Um, I, uh, I grew up reading the Choose Your Own Adventure books. Did anybody read those? Come on. We just dated ourselves a little bit. I loved the Choose Your Own Adventure, but I've got to be honest with you, um, I, re- I cheated pretty much every time I read it. Because what would happen is, if you don't know Choose Your Own Adventure, man, you're missing out. Like, you would read and then it would say, the, like, it would, it would talk about, like, the spaceship has landed in your backyard. Do you run inside and get your mom and dad? Turn to page 12. Do you confront the Martians staring at you? Right? Turn to page 25. Do you try to get on the spaceship? Turn to page 47. And so you would choose your own adventure. You'd, you'd go, oh, I, I want to run inside. Right? And then you read it, it's like, this ends the book. You made a poor choice. Right? <laughs> and so I was like, well, I don't like that. So then I go to go, I'm going to confront the Martian. You know? Surprise! You outwit the Martian, right? And, and now turn to this page. And, and it was just a fun book to read. And, and, um, but what was great about it is you could make the decision, you could hold your finger down, and you could go, I didn't like that outcome, I'll just go to this one. <laughs> and I wish sometimes leadership was like that. I wish there's times I could go, ah, poor choice, my bad. Can we go back to page 25? And man, I spend a lot of time looking at those I serve with and those in our body. And I go, hey, you know what? That decision right there, hmm, not based on what scripture would have me do. Motive, not great. Did I have all the facts? No pressure of time forcing me to make a bad decision? You bet. And, uh, and will you forgive me for that? Help me, help me be a better leader. We're going to make mistakes. But when we make them, let's own them. And let's learn from them. And then let's receive the grace of God that's extended to us. But let's just recognize our decisions, they impact other people. And, um, and we often don't get second chances and third chances and get a chance to go to different places in the book. But hopefully we do learn from it. And it's through times like this that we, we slow down, we grab something like this, and we go, hey, Lord, help me. Help me to be wise. The decisions I make today would honor you, and bless others. Let me pray for you. Father in heaven, I I want to thank you for your word, which truly is a a lamp unto our feet and light unto our path. Thank you for the book of Proverbs, these wise sayings from the wisest man who's ever lived, inspired by you. Would you help us to hide your word in our heart As Colossians 3 says, would the word of Christ dwell in us richly and that we would teach one another, admonish one another with all wisdom. We'd sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in our hearts. May our leadership decisions be informed by your word. Would you help us, Lord, to resist the cultural pressures and pressures of time? Would you help us to understand the facts before we respond. And, um, and Lord, help us to honor you, to confess when we, when we get it wrong. I thank you for each one here. We ask, Lord, for your, your guidance today and that we'd be receptive to your will. We love you. In 
Christ's name. Amen.